Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for this dramatic fourth Sunday of Advent put us in the heart of a deep and abiding mystery. I'm talking about the mystery of God's providence. Just when we're tempted to say, you know, nothing makes sense. The Bible interrupts us to say, wait a minute. God works in subtle ways. And often it takes years, even centuries, for God's plan fully to be realized. And that's why we wait, isn't it? <laughs> Advent, where... You know, I've often said that this season, of all the liturgical seasons, in some ways most clearly names what all of our time on earth here is about. You know, all of all of our life here below is a is an Advent period. It's a period of waiting and watching. The Bible tells us, don't give up on God's providence. Wait, watch. It'll have its day. Okay? So the first reading takes us back to the 10th century B.C., so about a thousand years before Jesus, 600 years before Plato and Aristotle, 500 years before the Buddha. So we're going a long time ago. King David, Israel's greatest king, newly established in his palace, his enemies finally subdued on every side, turns to thoughts of God's house. He says, here I am living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God dwells in a tent. David is conceiving the idea of building a great temple for the Lord. And of course, for ancient Israel, this is well-known material. The Lord dwelling in the tent, that was the tabernacle that was constructed first by Moses during the time of the Exodus. And it was a pretty impressive structure, but you could take it down and you carry it because Israel was a people on the move, right? They weren't settling into one place yet they were moving. And so the Lord moved with them in the tent. And so all the way up to David's time, that's where the Ark of the Covenant was kept in this sort of movable uh, place. So it's bugging David. He goes, look, here I am. I'm the great king. And they built the cedar palace for me, but God has no proper place to dwell. Well, initially, Nathan, his court prophet, and it's the first time we hear of Nathan, by the way, in, in 2 Samuel at this scene. Nathan says, good, David, that's a good, pious idea, and I think the Lord blesses this, and you should go ahead. But then Nathan has a dream, and it's really one of the most pivotal texts in the whole Bible. A dream in which the Lord relates to him this extraordinary communication. He says, tell my servant David that I have taken him from the care of his father's flock to the care of the people Israel. God had made little David, who was a shepherd boy, you know, a little insignificant figure, 
and had made him shepherd of his people Israel. And God said, look, I have dwelt in a tent from the time of the Exodus, but I don't want David to build me a house. Instead, God turns the tables in a graceful way. Here's what he says to Nathan. The Lord reveals to you that he will establish a house for you. So David's dreaming of building a house for God. And God says, no, 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 no. First of all, David, I made you who you are. Don't forget that. And secondly, it's not you who build houses for me. I'm going to build a house for you. And they're playing a chorus, as it works in English too, playing on this word house. There's the physical house of the temple. But God's talking about the royal house, isn't he, of David. This house that will, and I'm quoting again, last forever before me. Your throne shall stand forever. And you know, everybody, it would be hard to imagine in the context of the ancient world, a promise more extravagant than that. To think that your name and your people and your heritage would live on, not just for a long time, but forever. That's what God promises to David through Nathan. I want to pause just for a second to make sure we we get this, this really crucial point about grace, about grace. See, David, David's not doing a bad thing here. You know, he's, he's piously thinking about doing something for the Lord. But the Lord interrupts him to remind him of the primacy of grace. David, the spiritual life is not primarily about things you do for me. It's about what I'm going to do for you. David, it's not you who are in charge. I'm in charge. And see, don't take that as a kind of bullying way. No, just the opposite. That's the, that's the language of grace. I know you want to build me a house. And actually, David, your son, Solomon, I, I want he'll build a house for me. But, but I want to build you a house. And that becomes the focus of this story. Okay, so that's the promise made famously in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Key text in the whole Bible. Now, this line of David did indeed last long time. So from around the year 1000 to the year 587 BC. So we're talking, you know, about 400 years. 587 of course when the Babylonian conquerors came and they and they killed the last of David's successors. It had a 400 year run. And you know, think our country as I record these words, the US has existed now for what 230 or 40 some years. You know, so Double that, double the length of of our country's history. And you'd have how long David's line lasted. Pretty good, pretty impressive. But then it came crashingly and in an utterly demoralizing way to an end. And there is no ambiguity about it. Like, oh, you know, oh, no, I think it's actually going on. No, no, it ended. It ended in this terrible way with the conquest of Jerusalem and the carrying away of the captives. And actually, when Israel came back about 70 years later, they, they tried to revive the Davidic line, but it didn't work. And other royal lines were established, and the Davidic thing just kind of fell apart. 
Okay, another twist to the story. Nevertheless, and I find this, everybody, a truly weird thing. Nevertheless, despite this obvious end to David's line, ancient Israel continued to remember the promise that God had made to David through the prophet Nathan. Even even in the face of of the disaster, 2 Samuel 7, continue to echo in their hearts, even when to all appearances it had proved to be a false promise. Somehow that hope against hope continued underground, clandestine, hidden away. In fact, this is really interesting to me. The books of Samuel, right, so we call one and two Samuel, scholars speculate, were written down, oh, around the year 500 BC. That is to say, after after the collapse of David's line. And yet, they include the promise. They remember the promise. In fact, for about 600 years, they waited and watched. Now, we're ready to read the gospel. This stunning gospel today from Luke. We hear that the angel Gabriel has arrived in the little nothing town of Nazareth in the north of Israel. You know, uh, Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Remember, we hear that from uh, the Gospel of John. And that's that sums up the general attitude. There was nothing important about Nazareth, nothing significant. The angel comes there and he speaks to a virgin. Now, see, we have 2,000 years of thinking about the, the Blessed Virgin Mary. But see, what this meant to a young unmarried girl, that's about as low as you could have gotten on the social scale in that time. This is a massively insignificant person in a massively insignificant place. And to her and to that place, the angel is sent. And now we find out why. She was betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. God said, you're not going to build me a house, David. I'm going to build you a house. And it lasted explicitly, you know, the kings of Israel for 400 years, but then it ended. It ended. And this promise, if it was going to be kept, people, they hoped in it against hope. But see, the house of David did continue quietly, underground, popping up in nothing places like Nazareth. But because she was betrothed to a man from the house of David, the virgin is now associated with the house of David, and her child will be. Greeting her as full of grace, the angel announces she will conceive in her womb and bear a son. He will be called Son of the Most High, and he will be great. Now comes the kicker that would have taken the breath away from any first century Jew listening to this story. Listen now what Gabriel says. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there there will be no end. Ah, the seemingly broken promise of 2 Samuel 7 is not, in fact, broken. What seemed to have come to an end 
in fact had just gone underground and was now ready to appear fully in the light. The kingly line of David was in fact unsevered, and now the full meaning of God's promise would be revealed. God said he would build a house for David. And David took him to mean his royal line, and that indeed proved to be a sort of foreshadowing. Because the real house of David, now we understand, was meant to be the body of his son, in which God would be pleased to dwell, and into which he would invite the whole world. You see now, everybody, the house that God speaks of ultimately is the church, which will indeed last forever. Why? Because Christ lasts forever, and the church is his mystical body. Indeed, the Lord assures us the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now we get it. Now with ancient Israel, we get it. God's promises are not undone. God's promise is fulfilled, but in this most unexpected way. See, I know we're frequently tempted to despair, to say there's no rhyme or reason to things, that God is not in charge. But see, we're like children who barely sense what their parents are about, who often feel their parents don't know what they're doing. We're like children vis-a-vis God. How can we begin to take in the complexity and mystery of God's design? And so, inspired by these readings, we're called to wait, not hopelessly, but in great expectation. We don't always see clearly what God's up to, but we trust as ancient Israel trusted in the promise of 2 Samuel 7, fulfilled in the most unexpected and magnificent way. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.